I just want to speak the name of Jesus. What a beautiful line. But let me ask you this morning, is that the desire of your heart? Is that a, is that a want to? Is that something that just comes out? For many of you, as you walk into this place, you can look back and you have your own faith stories. You see how God has worked and you want to share that. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Others of you, though, this morning as you walk in, if you're really honest with yourself, that's a struggle. That's a struggle. Life has been hard. It's been a tough week, and it's difficult. So wherever you're coming from this morning, I'm really glad that you're here. My name's Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Community Church, and I want to welcome you this morning. Uh, Great to hear from David, uh, one of the heroes of uh, Community Church over the years. Uh, Awesome to hear his story. And, And you just got a snippet of, of, of David's story. But that's been a lifetime of faithfulness, a lifetime of ups and downs. And that's inspiring to me. So thank you, brother, for, for being here this morning and sharing. Uh, we got baptisms today. We got folks here to see that. So this is a, it's a big morning. We've got a big story. We're going to be looking at uh, David and Goliath. And uh, it's going to be cool. It's going to be good. But uh, I want you to think about... Um, this as, as we prepare uh, to go, go to, um, to God's Word. We've been in this series called A Faith of Influence. A Faith of Influence. And we've been looking at things that are inputs, that which affects us, that which influences our faith. And then what is the influence of our own faith story? What's that look like for those around us? What does that look like for the next generation. And we've been diving into the Old Testament. We've turned the clock back about uh, 3,000 years or so, and we've been in the book of 1 Samuel, and we've been looking at, uh, we've, we've looked at Hannah, and we've looked at these different characters, and we've looked at pain, and we've looked at crisis, and we've looked at, uh, at pride. And this morning, we're going to turn from Saul that we we looked at last week, and we're going to look at uh, David. We're going to look at, in particular, this question of how do we deal with fear? How do you deal with fear? How do you process your fear? What does that look like for you? Whatever you bring into this place, how do you deal with fear? So to get at that, uh, I want to invite you to open up your Bible to 1 Samuel, chapter 17. 1 Samuel, chapter 17. The story of David and Goliath takes up the whole chapter. We don't have time to go through it all, but I want to read a good bit and put us all on the same footing as we dive in. 1 Samuel 17, verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath The Philistine champion from Gath stepped out from his lines 
and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give him great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The, sun, the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. 
And without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Let's pray as we dig into the word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. I pray now, Lord, that my words are clear and helpful and they bring you glory and honor. Burn off whatever doesn't do these, those things. Holy Spirit, we need you to be our teacher this morning. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. What a great story. Just the story of David and Goliath, hearing it itself, it is a great story. It is arguably one of, if not the most influential, well-known stories uh, in, in the Old Testament, maybe even in the Bible itself. It's so familiar to us that sometimes that can even be a challenge as we try to peel back the layers of it to say, what God are you saying to us today through this story? As I was thinking through this story of David and Goliath, I was reminded of a few things, even in our own culture about David and Goliath. I was reminded of Rocky IV. Rocky Balboa versus Ivan Drago, and there's a sportscaster that's, that's talking about the upcoming fight, Rocky against the big Russian, and the commentator said, this is a true David and Goliath story. So in our culture, when we hear David and Goliath, we think of the great underdog story. Some of you may be familiar with Malcolm Gladwell's fairly recent book called David and Goliath. And he has an alternative view of David and Goliath and says that really what David uh, was about was David was the great innovator. David was the one who in his weakness actually developed superior warfare to Goliath. That that sling, it's not one of these, but it's a, it's a deal that can go like a bullet. And it was actually David as he's pressed, in, pressed, is an innovator, and he comes up with technology and uses that, and Goliath isn't as strong, perhaps, as he may appear. So however this story hits you this morning, whatever your background, whatever your vantage point is, I would invite you to look at your own fear this morning, and as we go to the text how can this story, how can this great faith story of David and Goliath encourage us this morning? So we're going to look at some battlefield observations, some applications, and then a plan as we move through the story this morning. First of all, some battlefield observations. What do you see as you look out here? And you see this great story. You see David versus Goliath. First of all, I would invite you to, look, to take a close-up view and look at the personal faith story of David. As we look at this personal battle between David and Goliath. At one level, David is a shepherd boy in the middle of some family drama. He's killed the lion and the bear. He's got faith. He can't take it anymore with a mixture of faith and maybe a little bit of bravado. He's going to battle this great giant. Goliath, the evil Philistine, the villain, depending on which account, he's anywhere from 6'9 six, six, to 8 feet tall. But he's a giant. 
And the armor that he carries probably more, weighs more than David himself. And that's the battle. That's the battle. Two hills, valley, they're fighting representative of their particular armies. And from this vantage point, it is the story of the faithful underdog who overcomes the overconfident giant who doesn't have the sense to carry his own shield and protect himself. So as we look at it at this level, we might be drawn to these lines from David when he says uh, in verse 45, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. That's some serious biblical trash talking right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, as I was, it kind of fires you up a little bit as you, as you read the story. I've, I've been, you know, following David and Goliath, reading, doing all this study this week, and then lo and behold, I'm driving to Meyer yesterday, heading west on Main Street, and maybe, perhaps, maybe I approached the roundabout a little too quickly. And the gentleman who was coming my way didn't quite appreciate that. And I kind of, as I slowed down, I kind of did one of these. The gentleman stopped his car, got out, and mocked me and, and waved me on. Now, there was a little bit inside of me that's like, okay, I'm, I'm, let me do some trash talking here. Then I'm like, maybe he's got a gun. I don't know. I'm just going to chill and I'm going to go to Meyer. Thankfully, I did that. But there's something about hearing these stories of courage and, and faith and all that. It just, something wells up inside of you. So at one level, this is, it's just a great story. As a story itself, I can appreciate it. I can appreciate David's personal faith. At another level, though, it's, it's a national story. It's a historical deal here. We have two champions and in biblical terms, a, a champion is literally the one who would go between. That's what it means. So Goliath is the representative of the Philistines. David is the representative of the Israelites. It's, it's one-on-one. Whoever wins the battle of the one-on-one, the loser will serve the winner. So in the, as we zoom out and we look at it at this level, we see it as a battle between Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the false gods of the Philistines, of Dagon and Baal and, and gods that you, you, you carry around. It's interesting that David is there and not Saul. And not Saul. The spirit has left Saul. Saul has been disobedient. David will be the one who will eventually take over the throne. David in chapter 16 has been kind of secretly anointed, but he will not come into actual rule until later. But even as we look at this example of David and we, we think about this, we, some of you can look ahead and see the tragedy of David's life. 
and know how power will, he will abuse his power. We'll get to that later, but right now we have this story of David's faith. And we zoom out and we see a larger battle, a larger triumph of God over the false gods. But I want you to zoom out another layer. As we've said in this series, we don't simply want to look at the Old Testament stories in and of themselves. We want to see how they point to the bigger story. And uh, I've done this before, but I'm going to do it again just because it's really cool. But the Jesus Storybook Bible. Okay, if you want an overview of the Bible, I don't care how old you are, this will give it to you in a very quick way, and it shows you how the Old Testament points to the new. This is how the story of David and Goliath concludes in the Jesus Storybook Bible. When the Philistines saw Goliath was dead, they ran away, and when God's people saw them running away, they cheered. God had saved his people. David was a hero, and everybody cheers. Many years later, God would send his people another young hero to fight for them and to save him. But this hero would fight the greatest battle the world has ever known. Let's talk about that battle and let's talk about that as we make some application this morning, some battlefield application. I want to take you to Romans 15.4 for some guidelines on how we are to read this particular story and make application. As we said last week, uh, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So these old stories are here to encourage us, to give us hope. But how do we actually do that? Can we simply look at David and say, I want to be like David? I believe it involves more than that. I want to encourage us this morning to also remember the words of Jesus. This is after the resurrection. This is in Luke 24, and he's walking with uh, a few of his followers, and they don't recognize him yet. They're still wondering. They're trying to figure this out. And Luke 24, 27 says, And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So when we look at this Old Testament story, we want to see how it points us to Jesus. And one of the clearest places to go for that, just quickly before we make some direct application, is Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So we look at the cloud of witnesses, we see the great heroes of the faith, we look at David, and somehow, look carefully at this, throw off our sin, throw off what entangles us. Sometimes when we look at these Old Testament figures and all their ups and downs, all their warts, I can see my own sin in them. And that can cause me to say, hey, I want to I throw off some things. 
and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. How do we do that? What's that look like? So Jesus is the pioneer, the author of our faith. The leader. The champion. The one who's gone before. And that's who we can ultimately learn from. He's the one who would go to the cross. He's the one who would sweat blood and say, is there another way? But yet for the joy before him, he would endure the cross. So that's where we're going to fix our eyes. So when you think about your own fear, when you think about what it is that you are battling, I believe it's not enough simply to look at David, but we need to look at the greater David, the greater hero. And I would simply give you this bottom line to consider. Make Jesus the hero of your faith story. Make Jesus the hero of your faith story. You want to deal with your fear in a way that's not temporary, but in a way that is forever and long-lasting? Some of you, I know, are, are in battles that aren't just a, I'm going to muster up a little bit of courage in the moment and overcome my, they are lifelong battles. So when you have fear, when you have things that you're dealing with that are long-term, long-haul, Jesus is the one who's our hero. Jesus is our champion. Jesus is the one who has gone before us. Of course, you're in church. You're expecting to hear that. What other answer would there be? It's always Jesus. But I have a problem. And here's my problem. I like to be the hero myself. I like to look within I want to come up with my own solutions. And I believe this story in particular and sometimes how we interpret this story influences us, contributes to that. So I would invite you to consider a few ways, whether you've been following Jesus for 50 years or you're just here trying to figure it out, two ways, a couple ways that we can make ourselves the hero of the story. Because ultimately, we have a choice as to who's the hero. I can, I can make Jesus the hero, or I can believe that I can conquer my fears by looking to myself. There's a couple ways we can do that. The first way, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call it the Rocky Balboa way great theologian. Rocky. Think of the Rocky story. It's always an underdog. I, I don't know. How many, how many Rocky and Apollo stories are there? I don't know. 
But it's the same story. It's the same story redone and redone and redone. But it's, it's this. There's fear. There's some motivation from the outside that, that challenges me to look within. And if I look hard enough and I get the right coach, I can find courage and I can conquer my fear and defeat the giant. Does that make for a great movie? Absolutely. I love the, I'll go see Apollo 15 probably. But is it, does, life, does real faith work that way though? Not so much. Because my fears are still there. And when you really look at what David's about, he looks back to the bear and the lion. God, you delivered me before. You can do it again. But the problem is if I just look within, I have this sentimental faith. I have a, I'm always dependent upon the motivational, emotional deal. The pep talk. Just give me another spiritual pep talk to get me through the day. I'm not saying emotional, spiritual pep talks are all bad, but I believe there's something deeper, something deeper. So I would invite you to consider in what ways are you just looking from within? The other way is to simply say, you know what? Maybe it's not my emotions, but it's, it's my own smart thinking, my own innovation, my own strategy that can help me overcome this. But Jesus has a better way. Jesus had a better way. And he says very simply, or I would say it this way, I find my courage when I follow Jesus. I can look within, I can... I can deal with my emotions, I can, I can come up with strategies, those can be helpful to a point, but when you're really in it, there's only one hero that you can trust. And I love the way Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm going to read it from the message paraphrase, 1 Corinthians 15, 55 Death swallowed by triumphant life. Who got the last word, O death? O death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening, and law code guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now, in a single victorious stroke of life, all three sin, guilt, death are gone. The gift of our master, Jesus Christ, thank God. With all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. What a beautiful word of encouragement, which really sets us up to prepare our hearts and minds to come to the communion table this morning. When we come to the communion table, what we're really doing is a lot of things. 
It's a time to examine ourselves. It's a time to remember. And it's a time to declare victory. The victory that Jesus has won for us on the cross. Because what we ultimately remember is that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he he gathered his disciples in the upper room. And he took the bread, and after he gave thanks, he he broke it and gave to them. He said, this is my body given for you. And the same way he took the cup, and he said, this cup represents my blood, blood of the new covenant, blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. You see, friends, the ultimate victory is a victory over sin and death. And that's what Jesus paid for on the cross. And when we put our faith and our trust in him, that victory is won. And the ultimate fear of death, the ultimate fear of the sin that separates us from God, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. So this morning, I want to invite you to the table. If you're a follower of Jesus, it doesn't mean you've got it all figured out. It doesn't mean you have everything perfect. But it means you have taken a step of faith and trust. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite us to reflect for a moment. And then I want to invite you to the table. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, as we come to you this morning... Help us to see the fear that is underneath our fear. Show us the layers of our self-reliance, our self-indulgence, our self-centeredness that keep us from experiencing the joy and peace that is available through our relationship with you and your people. Remind us, Holy Spirit, who we are, that we're your children, that we're part of the family of God. Remind us, Lord, that you are for us and you are fighting for us even when we can't see it. Forgive us, Jesus, for those times when we've tried to be the hero, when we've tried to simply look within. Help us to see the places where we need to change our minds and trust you more. So, Father, we come to you this morning ready to receive with open hands. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Come now. The table is open.